In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You may be seated. Over the course of the last two weeks, uh, Canon Bales offered some splendid teaching on the fact that James is the wisdom teacher of the New Testament. The power of the tongue and the whence, the what, and the whither of wisdom. Today, some final words of wisdom from James. Here's how today's passage starts. And we're on page 181 of the Pew Bible, if you uh, wish to follow along there. Page 181 in the New Testament section. James chapter 15, verse 13, first part of the verse. Are any among you suffering? They should pray. Because what happens when you pray in the midst of suffering is that you get a chance to come to understand what Anglican Bishop Richard's, Richard Sibbs realized when he said this, God's children, usually in their troubles, overcome. God's children, usually in their troubles, overcome by suffering. Here, lambs conquer lions and doves, eagles. By suffering, they herein may be conformable to Christ, who conquered most when he suffered most. Together with Christ's kingdom of patience, there was a kingdom of power. That's what you can learn when you're praying in the midst of suffering. James goes on in the second half of that verse and says, Are any cheerful? They should sing songs of praise. Because here's the deal. If things are going well, we may take them for granted. We may think it's because we're entitled or, or have earned our good fortune. We sing songs of praise to remind ourselves that it's all a gift. Every breath, every experience of pleasure, every success, it all comes from the hand of the one whom James calls in chapter 1, verses 5 and 17, God who gives to all generously and unbegrudgingly, and the Father of lights from whom every perfect gift comes down. We, we praise because we need to be reminded of that wonderful reality. And then James goes on, and this is where I want to spend most of our time, in James chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. Is any among you sick? They should call for the elders of the church and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord. The prayer of faith will save the sick, and the Lord will raise them up, and anyone who has committed sins will be forgiven. Now, there are two Greek words for sick here. The first means to be weak, asthenein. The second means to be worn out or weary, as Hebrews 12, 3, that you may not grow weary or lose heart. James, you see, understands 
that we are equally susceptible to headache and heartache. That a physical virus may invade our lungs and put us in an ICU. And that a virus of meanness and dishonesty may contaminate the atmosphere of discourse all around us and leave us cynical and despairing. James realizes that our bodies may be ravaged by fever and that our spirits may be broken by disappointment. That cancer can destroy our bodies and temptation can destroy our souls. We can be sick of body and we can be sick of soul. Now, James doesn't say don't go to the doctor and don't consult a counselor for therapy. But he does say that we have additional resources. One, the elder's faith, a faith that's bigger than our own. Two, the presence of the body of Christ. Three, the, the stuff that he gives to mediate to us his grace. We call some of them sacraments, the bread, the wine, the water, and some we call sacramentals like the oil. And fourth, the ability to come clean about our sin and our sins. So, in our sickness of body and soul, we have first the elder's faith. The prayer of the righteous is powerful and effective. He's not talking about the prayer of the person who's asked for help. He's talking about the people who come alongside, the, the elders who bring the whole Christian story and the power of their faith and their life to bear on the person's life. The thing is, I need, I need a faith that's larger than my own when I'm weak and when I'm weary and worn out and when my body is racked with pain. I need a faith that I inherit, not one that I construct for myself. It's the faith less of Reggie than it is of Elijah, who prayed, and who, but who also ran away, and whom God would not let get away. If Elijah can believe, I can believe. It's the faith of Esther. Read the whole book when you get a chance. We're just like in and out real quick today. But it's an amazing story. When it was found out that this lovely Jewish girl had been chosen as a stranger in a strange land to become one of the many concubines of the Persian king, her uncle Mordecai muses to her, perhaps... For such a time as this, you were born. And then when her time comes, as it does in today's reading, she speaks truth to power and saves her people. If Esther can believe, I can believe. Every time I get into this uh, pulpit, I'm aware of the the immensity of the shoulders upon which I stand here. 
One of those is St. Augustine, Bishop of Carthage in the late Roman Empire period. Augustine could believe that in Christ, I'm sorry, I'm pointing to Paul. Augustine's over here. Augustine could believe that in Christ, there was power to conquer his carnal lusts. If Augustine can believe, I can believe. Augustine could believe that it was worth it to call believers to commit themselves not to the city of man, but to the city of God. When pagans wanted to blame Christians for not saving the kingdom, the city of God because they weren't able to keep the invaders and the plagues out of Rome. And when some believers were tempted to reduce the faith to being the mere chaplain for the, America, uh, for the Roman way of life. If Augustine can believe, I can believe. In our sickness of body and soul, we have second, the sheer fact of the presence of one another. Sherry and I were the last two weekends in Iceland, which second to this place is our happy place on earth. And one of our adventures this time was to go off the main road on one of the unimproved roads. And to call it unimproved is correct. To call it a road is really, I don't know, maybe. But this was a road that went 60 miles down um, a road that had been sort of carved out in a lava desert. And the way that you make a road in a lava desert is you kind of follow the path of least resistance and make it as wide as you can. So it's, it's really windy and it's up and down. And they tell you, if you want to go on these roads, you get the biggest, baddest four-wheel drive you can, which we did. And still, it was kind of an adventure because it's around and around and up and down. And oh, and there are several little streams to cross and there are three rivers you have to go across. And we get to that first river and we're going like, I don't know. Well, we're standing, we get out of the car and we're looking at the water and it's rushing along and we're going like, how do we get across that? And Ms. Kid's going like, you know, it seemed like a good idea at the time, but maybe not. Well, we, we were there a few minutes, and then this little car that had no business being on, on this road just comes zipping up, and this young couple from Austria jumps out, and he, his name's Ben. Her name's Natalia, we find out, because people take care of each other on the roads in Iceland. Well, he gets in the back of his vehicle and pulls out a pair of wading boots that he had thought to borrow from his father in Austria. And so he wades out into the water, and he's like an engineering type. She's a social worker type. And she's going like, I know he really wants to go across there, but I don't know if it's a very good idea. Well, he's going out, and he's, you can see him doing the figuring in his head. And he goes like, I don't think if we go straight across, that's the best idea. If we go downstream a little, and then a cut across, and then come upstream, I think we'll be fine. And so he says, you know what? I'll go first. So he and Natalia 
get in their little car and they go a little downstream and they go across and they go upstream. And I'm going like, that car shouldn't have even made it. Our car surely can make it. So Sharon and I get in and sure enough, we motor across. Well, they're young and they're from Austria. So they're, they, they go zooming off and we just figured, well, we've lost them. Well, 20 minutes later, we come up to the next river. This river is wider and it's clearly deeper, but they didn't go across, they waited for us. And he got his waders out there and he got out in the water and he could see that the, that the water was coming up above his waders. And Natalia is going like, I'm really not sure we should be doing this now but I'm pretty sure he wants to. But the saving grace at this river was that the rangers had put a rope across it with little flags that said, and a sign that said, drive along the rope. And we're still like, I don't know. And then like a third car comes by and it, this is a guide and he's in like a bigger batter four by four than we're in. And he just says, here, let me show you how it's done. So he follows along the rope and then he just circles back right straight across and says, that's how you do it. And, and he, said, he said to Ben, you shouldn't try this. And he said to Sherry and me, you guys will be okay. But Ben is still like, uh, and Natalia's going, I know he's going to want to do this. I know he's going to want to do this. So I say, okay, how about if I go first this time? He said, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> so Sherry and I get in and we, sure enough, it's not a problem for our vehicle. So then we get out and then are they going to make it? Or are they going to get swept down the stream? Well, they get in and they come carefully across, but they get across and we're like, yay, we got each other across. So then we come to the third river. The story will be over in just a minute. <laughs> we get to the third river and like there are no, there's no help there at all. And so Ben has got his waders on. He's trying to figure out this, okay, it's kind of shallow over here, but it gets deep. But, and it's shallow over here, but if we go shallow here in the deep, are we going to make that or what? So we're trying to figure this out. And then in the distance, I see the vehicle of the guy that had come through the, the, the guide and showed us how that other one would work. And he's just sitting there, kind of facing sideways in the distance. And I wonder, I wonder if he's just come back to make sure we were okay. So I do this. And sure enough, he just motors over and he says, let me show you. And he just came straight across. And then just to show us that he, that he could do it, he just backed up and then he went fast through, just water everywhere, which they say, never do that stuff. But he just, you know, he knew he could do it and it was fun. So we got across. What Sherry and I got, and I got to experience in those three little river crossings was a wonderful picture of what the body of Christ does. When my faith is little, somebody comes along whose faith is bigger, and I lean into their faith. And then all of a sudden, I've got the confidence to lead their faith. And then somebody else goes on by and doesn't forget about us, but comes back to make sure we're okay. That's what we do. That's what James is talking about. Now, right now, I know that in this, 
in this church, there's some people who are going through some really, really hard stuff. And what is so heartening to me, what makes me so glad to be a part of this body and so proud of you is the way I see you taking care of each other. God bless you for that. We're here for one another. In our sickness of body and soul, we have third, the stuff, the bread, the wine, the baptismal water, the oil. Call for the elders, James says, and have them pray over them, anointing them with oil in the name of the Lord Jesus. Oil, you see, is a sign of messianic power. It recalls the descent of the dove to anoint Jesus as Messiah and as the second Adam and to propel him out into the wilderness to begin the reclamation of the cosmos from the forces of evil. And early in the church's life, the anointing of the forehead at baptism represented the loss of shame. The anointing of the ears, the wonder of the ability actually to hear God's word and have it be life. And the amazing dynamic that happens at the anointing of the nose because now we are a sweet savor to the Lord instead of bringing a stench into, the, into his presence. And finally, the anointing of the chest, imparting the courage to stand up to the evil one and to be able to do all things through him who strengthens me. And when we're called alongside one another to anoint when there's sickness and weakness and despair, we're renewing that profound sense of power from on high. Even today, friends, if you're feeling sick, well, if you're sick, you shouldn't be here, by the way, because of this COVID thing, but if you're just, if you're, if you are, or you feel it down, you're feeling weary and worn out and ready to give up, Deacon Rose Satbacks would be honored to meet with you and to anoint you in the name of the Lord. And finally, in our sickness of body and soul, we have forth the freedom to come clean about our sinful nature and the sins that we commit. James 5, chapter 6, James chapter 5, verse 16. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another so that you may be healed. Christ gives you and me the ability through confession to drop the weights that are dragging us down. Uh, there was this dude at Northland Church when I was there. I don't know what else to call him but a dude because he was a dude. 
This dude came up to me after a service that I was, that I was leading one day. And he gave me a box and he said, this is my drug paraphernalia. I want you to destroy it for me. He came forward with a slouch and with his head down. He left, tall and straight, head held high. A seminary student once pledged to me his computer laptop if he let it take him to one more porn site. Now, I never came into possession of that laptop, and it was a pretty sweet one too, I gotta say. I never came into possession of that laptop because here's what he realized. Better to get life from your theological studies with handwritten notes and old school typewritten pages, papers than to let your studies kill you because you spent all your time in the hell of a virtual cesspool of lust. Friends, whether it's sickness of soul or body, we have God's generous gifts. The elder's faith that's larger than our own, the very presence of one another, the stuff of the sacraments and the sacramentals, and the freedom to confess our sins to one another and to let them go. Be blessed this and every day because our God is able to keep you from falling and to make you to stand without blemish in the presence of his glory with rejoicing. Indeed, to the only God, our Savior, through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, and authority before all time, now, and evermore. Amen.